Good morning. Glad to see all your faces this morning. This is the real crew here today. (laughs) Well, all the excitement seems to be over about Christmas, isn't it? I mean, you've unwrapped your packages, you've met with family, and that was good and bad sometimes. But now they've all gone home, or, or at least hopefully they've all gone home. And so we're, we're ready, standing on the verge of a new year, 2024. I think for Mary and Joseph in our text today, that was kind of the same thing. They're ready to start their life just falling into the same old patterns again, right? The shepherds are gone. All the excitement around the birth has happened. Eight days have passed and they've circumcised the child and they've named him Jesus. That was in the text right before, the verse right before what we read today. It was part of what it meant to be Jewish, part of what it meant to be uh, an Israelite, to be circumcised, to be brought into the community of faith. And then they were left with more rituals that they had to do, that they fell into the practice because they were devout, devout family and dedicated family to their tradition and religion. One of those practices is called purification. That was Mary's role. It was arcane in our view, obviously, but a woman was considered unclean for at least seven days after the birth of a male. And then there were 33 days of purification rites that she did. Then they must go to the temple in order to have that certified, you know, rubber stamped. And they make an offering of two pigeons or two turtle doves. That was based on the requirements of the law, which says you offer a lamb and a pigeon or turtle dove unless you're poor, unless you can't afford the lamb. Then you can offer two of the birds. So we see right away that Mary and Joseph might be a poor family, and Jesus was born into Luke is very important, stresses very much the fact that Mary and Joseph are so devout and are living up to their requirements of the law. He mentions the law no less than five times in the text that we read today. Luke wants us to be sure that we understand that Jesus, the Messiah, was born into a faithful family. He was born into a religion that he claimed as his own. And so later on in life, when Jesus begins whatever criticism and critique that he makes as an adult, Luke wants us to remember that it's not because Jesus is an outsider looking in, but he's from the very center and heart of what Judaism is about. He wants us to know that culture, family, faith, and worship are key to these, this family. Now, following this law of and the requirements that Mary and Joseph are making, they, they go to the temple. And I want you to kind of go with me a minute and imagine this circumstance. Uh, if you were a young family with a child, six weeks old or so, 
and you were coming Sunday morning this, month, this morning for baptism in our church, and you came in the door and there was this weird holy man who comes running over to you and grabs the baby in, your, in his arms and begins to proclaim in a loud voice, Master, you can dismiss, dismiss your servant in peace, for I've seen your salvation. What do you think you would feel about that? Luke is the master of understatement here. He said, Joseph and Mary were just amazed at this. They were amazed. I think speechless might be a better word for it. What I want to think about this morning with you is the requirements that a family of Jewish folks go through in ritual form to bring their children completely into their faith and into their life and create a cult, not just a culture, but a family and a home. Jesus was brought into that family. And it reminds me of our own traditions in the United Methodist Church, where we baptize our babies. That's a time of giving identity. It's a time of saying yes, that God has already said yes to us, and we are saying yes to this child. It's important. It's not hollow. It's not just something we go through. But if done properly, and if we follow through on the kinds of commitments that we make as part of the baptism, we will cre indeed create a community of faith surrounding that child helping them, as it says in the scripture, to grow strong and that the favor of God will rest on them. The ritual of baptism and confirmation are important in the sense that they help the child to grow up in our faith and make a commitment to live out that faith just as Jesus did after he was circumcised and he was brought to the temple to be designated as holy for the Lord. And then later on at the age of 12, the text following ours today, he comes back to Jerusalem and claims that identity for himself. When his parents begin to leave and go home, guess what? He stays behind. And they don't miss him right away, but then they do. And when they come to get him, he says, you know what, why? why are you looking for me? You should know where I am. I am in my father's home. So I think we need to think carefully at the beginning of this year about how we're doing our rituals. In fact, next Sunday, I believe, is the baptism of the Lord, isn't it? And we'll all have a chance to remember our own baptisms because that reminds us of who we are and whose we are. It gives us identity and a place. It helps us to understand more, I think, about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. This text this morning brings to a close for Luke the birth narrative for Jesus. Uh, Luke doesn't have wise men. Luke doesn't have the flight into Egypt. But what he has is the building of family and faith and a life. You know, we don't wait to see how good our babies are before we baptize them, just like Jesus 
mom and dad didn't wait to see what kind of person he was going to turn out to be before he was circumcised or designated to the Lord. God is working in children's lives and in our lives through prevenient grace. Their lives are affected every day by our mentorship and our relationship to them. And that's what baptism calls into being. It calls into being our whole congregation to surround a child with love and care, to be mentors, to be disciples that demonstrate faith for this child. At most, and maybe at best, they find a place that's safe and that they can call home. And that, for them, is a place where they're joyful to come and attend. It recognizes that God is in the midst of our congregation, just as he is every day in the midst of our lives. One of the things I also want to talk about today is this encounter with Simeon and Anna. Hannah made a very good children's message about waiting. I don't know, you know, waiting is not my strong suit sometimes. I don't know about you. But waiting is something that Anna and Simeon have done all their life. Looking for the redemption of Jerusalem, looking for the redemption of Israel, looking for the Savior to come. But it's not a passive waiting that they're doing. It's not something that you just sit around and hope comes. They are devout. They are obedient. They are at home in worship and in the community of faith. They are led by the Spirit because they're constantly in prayer and worship. The important part for us to think about in this new year is how are we living out our life? Can Hannah, Anna and, I'm sorry, Hannah, I keep mixing up your name with Anna, and Simeon be markers for us? Can they be examples for us about how we should be approaching our life of faith and discipleship? I'm not saying we need to be in church 24 hours a day like Anna was, but we need to be at a deeper level of commitment. We need to be at a more uh, intense form of communication with God. They are representatives, in my mind, of the best that Israel has to offer in this text that we see today. For they are all those things I just mentioned. And they represent the people of Israel who see Jesus, accept Jesus, and believe that he is the Messiah. Unfortunately, there is the word, the note, that not everything is going to be wonderful. 
the word that he speaks to Mary, that Simeon gives to Mary, that this child will be a sign that will be rejected, that will be the falling and rising of many people, and it will expose the inner thoughts of so many. We know the results, right? We remember the story, the gospel story. And yet, this is the word that is spoken to Mary right up front by Simeon. As we approach this new year, I hope that we will have the wherewithal and the understanding to begin to live our lives in a deeper walk with Jesus Christ. We've got one very important way to do that, I think, and that's with the grand sweep invitation that you've been offered this morning, where we immerse ourselves in Scripture, in prayer, in gathering as community to talk about our faith journey, to talk about who we are as people, to remember what's important about our lives, to be hopefully encountering the voice of God in the midst of that. Because I believe that if you spend time in prayer and study and in time with community around that, that we will begin to see and hear God speaking, leading us, directing us into this new year. And it's almost like if God is with us, we can access that. We can make that part of who we are as a community of faith. And I think that St. Mark's is at a place where they're ready for that. I think you are ready for that. St. Mark's is a great congregation. The world is waiting on us, in a sense, to make a decision about what we're going to be doing and how we're going to be ministering in this community. We do it in so many good ways, but there is a deeper reality, a reality that leads to hope and joy and peace. And yes, if we begin to live that, if we begin to do that, we will counter, encounter not so much rejection, but resistance. It makes a difference if you're living your life fully as a disciple of Jesus Christ because it calls into question so much about the world and what the world says is important. But if we're living out our life of faith every day, then almost every day becomes like Christmas because we begin to see God's presence in the midst of our community and the world around us. We begin to see where God is working and how God is working. And whether we can join in that where we can encourage that, wherever we can proclaim that to one another. It will go a long way to help us to be the people that God wants us to be in this new year. Every year in the Wesleyan tradition, 
we have a time of commitment, usually at the closest Sunday to the new year. And it's called the Wesley Covenant Prayer. It's a time of rededicating ourselves to begin to living out our life of faith, making a bold claim about who we are in faith and what God is in faith, who God is in faith, and our relationship to God. And I would like to ask you if you would join me today in praying that prayer together. Would you mind standing as you're able? Let us pray together this covenant prayer. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine. So be it. Amen. Let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Blessings and Happy New Year.